It is an incredible honor and privilege to be able to gather together and, um, and for myself to be able to stand before you as we uh, devote ourselves to God's Word. Um, and, and that's one of the, the huge purposes for us gathering together to worship our Lord by devoting ourselves to His Word. Um, also to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer, um, but, but in a very special way to devote ourselves to His Word. So we are continuing our study through the book of Genesis. So if you have your Bibles, I would invite you to open with me to Genesis chapter 17. Genesis chapter 17. And Lord willing, we will be finishing up the chapter today. It's, it's taken us a few weeks, but um, there's just a lot of, a lot of wonderful uh, truth found in this, in, this, uh, in this chapter of Scripture. So today I'll start reading in verse 22. When he had finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. Then Abraham took Ishmael his son and all those born in his house or bought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house, and he circumcised the flesh of their foreskins that very day, as God had said to him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. That very day, Abraham and his son Ishmael were circumcised. And all the men of his house, those born in the house and those bought with money from a foreigner, were circumcised with him. This is the word of the Lord. Let me go ahead and pray before we start. You have exalted above all things your word and your name. Your name and, and even above that, your word. And we thank you for your word, O oh God. We thank you that you, Yahweh, the one true and living God, the creator of all things, the one who sustains all things, from whom and through whom and to whom are all things, you revealed yourself to us through your word. And we just praise you and we thank you for that incredible privilege to be recipients of what it is that you have to say. We hear so many different messages and so many different ideas and philosophies are thrown our way throughout the week and it is an incredible blessing for for us to gather together and to leave all of that behind and to look to you and say speak lord and so father i pray that together as your people that that will be our heart that we will be expectant to hear from you as we open up your word and so lord that's that's my prayer i ask you speak lord Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. 
I, I ask that you in a mighty way will speak through me. In your word you have said, let the one who speaks speak with the very oracles of God. And the one who serves, serve with the strength that you provide. And so Lord, in this speaking and in this service, may it be your words and may it be your strength, O oh God. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name. Many of us are familiar with Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit was given to the church. But prior to Pentecost... The Holy Spirit, through the authors of the Gospels, revealed to us the ascension of our dear Lord Jesus. And what an incredible scene. What an incredible picture. Jesus, with these, his beloved 11 disciples, gathering together. The ones whom he had poured his life into and and taught and showed them what it means to walk in communion with God. And now he's about to leave to go sit at the right hand of the throne of the Father on high. And so what comes from his mouth is infinitely important. Last words. Last words. And so, when we consider that these are his last words, for us who receive it as his followers today, we should listen extra carefully to what it is that he has to say. Because it is of supreme importance. And in Matthew chapter 28, we're familiar with the passage. Right before his ascension, our dear Lord commissions the disciples. And I want to read for us, starting in verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven... And on earth has been given to me. So he establishes his kingship and his lordship and his authority. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. And then he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. 
We're familiar with this passage as the Great Commission. When our Lord sends out the disciples with His commission to make disciples of all nations. As they go, make disciples of all nations. And as our Lord gives him the commission, it's a twofold commission. First of all, in order to make disciples, it says to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Baptism, speaking of evangelism. When a person is baptized, it is an identification with the Lord Jesus Christ. It comes from the Greek word baptizo, which was used when um, people who would dye cloth, they would take a, a white cloth and they would dip it in a vat of dye. And then they would pull it out and it would be a completely different color. They baptized the cloth and it came out a completely different color, a completely different identity. So that's what Jesus is speaking of when he's saying that his commission is to evangelize, to go to people who are dead in their sins, who are rebels against God, share the good news of the gospel with them. And as they turn to Christ, they become a new creation and are made one of God's children. But not only is that the first part of the commission, but the second commission adds on to that. He says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So to disciple and to make disciples is to share the gospel and pray that people will turn to Christ And be born again. And once they do and are identified with Christ. To then teach them. And and it's interesting because Jesus doesn't just say. To teach them all that I have commanded you. He says to teach them to observe. Or to obey. All that I have commanded. And when we consider all that our Lord Jesus has commanded, it is not all that was just included within the Gospels, but He, the very Word of God, who inspired Scripture, has proclaimed the commands that we find throughout the text of Holy Writ. So his commission is to teach, but it's not only to teach them the Bible, it's teach them to obey the Bible, to obey what God has said, to obey what God has revealed, to live in light of it. Obedience is key. Not only to know what it is that the Lord has revealed, but to respond To what he has revealed in obedience. Faith that leads to obedience. In today's passage in Genesis chapter 17. We see 
how the patriarch Abraham understood the importance of obedience. In the previous weeks, leading up to this Sunday, we have considered the Lord coming and and giving to Abraham the sign of the covenant, affirming his promise that the covenant would go through Sarah's son and that Sarah would have a son, Isaac, and the covenant would continue on through Isaac. And the Lord had given the sign of the covenant, which was circumcision. And for those of you who missed that message from a couple of weeks back, you can look on uh, the church's podcast and you can listen to um, the message dealing with circumcision. And then last week's message where the Lord promised the covenant to go through Sarah. Which leads us to today's text. And in today's text, it highlights for us what Abraham's response was to the Lord speaking to him. It highlights for us what he did when he heard the voice of God. And and you know what he did? He obeyed. He obeyed. He understood what Jesus was saying when he was giving the great commission to his disciples to not only teach them what God says in his word, but to teach them to obey it, to trust what he says enough to follow through with action in his life. And you know what? That is an important lesson for each and every one of us here today to learn. We must learn to listen to God's word, but not only to listen, but by faith, trusting that what the Lord has said is true, respond in obedience. True faith will always lead to obedience. And Abraham... The, the, the man of faith, the one who is considered righteous by faith in chapter 15, he evidences his faith and trust in God's word by obeying. Faith in God's word leads to obedience to his word. By faith, obey his word. Verses 22 through 23, we see that faith in God's word leads to immediate obedience. By faith, obey him immediately. In verses 24 through 26, we see that faith in God's God's word leads to costly obedience. Obey him no matter what the cost. And in verse 27, we see that faith in God's word leads to complete obedience. By faith, obey completely. So first of all, faith in God's word leads to immediate obedience. By faith, obey immediately. Listen to verses 22 and 23. When he had finished talking with him, that is Abraham talking, well, God talking with Abraham, 
God went up from Abraham. Then listen to verse 23. Then Abraham took Ishmael his son and all those born in his house or bought with his money every male among the men of Abraham's house and he circumcised the flesh of their foreskins that very day as God had said to him. I want us to to think about and to highlight that phrase, that very day. Abraham's responsive obedience to what God had commanded him was obeyed right away. I have a lot of great memories about my dad. And... um, Bailey, you would remember him. And um, he went to be with the Lord when, he was, when I was 13. But I still remember in his fathering of myself and my brothers, a phrase that he would come back to time and time again was, delayed obedience is disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. And it's so true. Delayed obedience is disobedience. The Lord had made a covenant with Abraham in Genesis 15 and Genesis 12. And now here he was affirming the covenant and he was providing the sign of the covenant, circumcision. And Abraham trusted God's word. And he trusted God's command so much so that right away, that very day, and the Holy Spirit leading Moses tries to emphasize that point, that very day, as God had said, he obeyed. In the weeks past, we highlighted how circumcision was a sign of the covenant at that time. And how now for us as believers, those who have been born again and are partakers of the new covenant, how baptism is the sign of the new covenant. So this passage can't help but remind me of in Acts chapter 8, when there was a eunuch, he was the Ethiopian eunuch, and he had gone to Jerusalem because he was a, a convert to Judaism, and he was on his way back, and Philip comes, and here's this eunuch reading Isaiah 53, and Philip proclaims to him the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is turns from his sin and trusts in Christ alone and he is converted. And then it's so interesting because in Acts 8 verse 36, he says something. He says, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he went and he was baptized. Immediately. Immediately.
our response like to the Lord and His commands? First, first of all, are we attentive to what it is that the Lord is commanding us? And, and there's a certain sense that when we gather here on the Lord's Day, and as God's Word is proclaimed, the, the commands and the statutes of the Lord are made known. And the job of, of the preacher and the job of any spiritual leader is to not just make known what it is that God says, but it is to call each of us to obey what he says. How are we doing in our obedience to what God says? And, and throughout the week, each of us, we have the incredible privilege of opening up God's word and hearing from God. And throughout his word, he speaks to us and there are commands that he gives. And once again, I want to stress the fact that obedience to God's commands don't earn us our salvation. They don't earn us this place as being accepted before God. But as his children who have been born again by the blood of Jesus Christ and through his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension on high... Because of his great love for us, it should motivate us to obey what he commands. There are so many different commands all throughout Scripture and all throughout the New Testament. And it's important for us to sit and listen to what it is that the Lord is saying and by faith follow through with it. Maybe there's someone here today who doesn't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. You've, you've come and you've heard the good news of Jesus, how He is fully God, fully man, lived a perfect life, died, rose to life again, ascended on high, and that if you trust in Him, you can be forgiven of your sin and made right with God. You've heard that over and over again, but still you haven't turned from trusting your sin is okay and trusting in Christ alone. You know what? The Lord commands you today to repent. In Acts chapter 17 verses 30 through 31, it says, Paul, when he's speaking to the Athenians, he says, He, the Lord, commands all people everywhere to repent. And so if you're here today and you hear the Lord's voice commanding you to, to repent, to turn from trusting that your sin is okay or trusting in anything else and trusting in Jesus Christ alone, trust Him. And repent and receive his forgiveness, his cleansing, his unconditional love. But for those of us who are believers, the Lord has commanded that we be baptized. Baptism is a matter of obedience to our Savior. Just like circumcision was a, a matter of obedience for Abraham, baptism is a, a matter of obedience for us as believers. In Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit was leading Peter to preach, in verse 38, 
He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Now, some people will look at this verse and say that it's saying that you have to be baptized in order to be born again. But really what he's saying in the Greek, when it, he's, he's making a distinction between repentance and baptism. He says, repent and be baptized. But then it says, for the forgiveness of your sins. So some would say that um, in order to be forgiven of your sins. But the way that the Greek tense is actually structured, it's the same way that uh, if we would say, well, that person went to jail for the theft that he committed. He went to jail for the theft that he committed. So be baptized for the forgiveness that you have received. Be baptized because you have already been born again into the family of God. And now this is the sign of the covenant. Just like circumcision to Abraham was given as a sign after he had been made righteous with God already. So I I want to encourage and challenge you. If there's anyone here who hasn't been baptized yet with Abraham, respond in obedience immediately. It's probably cold at the river today, but uh, but even if next week there's, I know there's a church down the way that has a baptismal we could use. So if that's something the Lord is speaking to you about today, come and speak with me. And we'll make a plan. Faith in God's word leads to immediate obedience. And last of all, because I know there's many who have been baptized here and those who are saved, one thing that the the Lord requires immediate obedience for, and I just want to bring this up, is in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23, the Lord calls us to deal with interpersonal struggles and bitterness immediately. Matthew 5.23, so if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Is there someone who you know has something against you? Someone that you've got beef with. Or they have beef with you. The Lord says, before you come and worship and present an offering to Him, go and be reconciled. And so I want to encourage for each of us here immediately to follow through with the Lord's command with that and to obey. See, faith in God's word leads to obedience. Obedience to his word, immediate obedience by faith, obey his word. Secondly, faith in God's word leads to costly obedience. And I won't spend a whole lot of time on this, but I want us to consider for us to obey at whatever cost and to consider in verses 24 through 26. And Abraham was 99 years old 
when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. That very day, Abraham and his son Ishmael were circumcised. It doesn't take a genius to, um, to note and to hear the repetition of one word, circumcision. In fact, in today's passage, circumcised or circumcision is repeated five times. It's repeated in verse 23, in verse 24, in verse 25, in verse 26, and in verse 27. And in particular, in verses 24 through verse 26, the Holy Spirit through Moses is making a big deal about Abraham's age and about Ishmael's age. Abraham was 99 years old. Ishmael was 13 years old. And, and, and then in verse 26, he highlights that very day, Abraham, a 99-year-old, and his son Ishmael, a 13-year-old, were circumcised without an anesthetic. Painful. And later on, as you, we continue our study through the book of Genesis, it highlights the pain of it. And we'll, we'll get to that here in the, the months ahead. It was painful. It was costly. But Abraham trusted the Lord and trusted his word and trusted his command so much that he was willing to say, my Lord, if you say it, I'll do it. And I'll do it right now. No matter the cost. No matter the pain. And I'll lead my son and everyone in my household to do it. Because you are worthy. To follow Jesus Christ is costly. It's painful. In fact, our dear Lord himself, when he was here on the earth in Luke 9.23, he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me daily. The cross the implement of torture. To follow Christ is costly and it's painful. It, it requires that we deny ourselves. And, and, and in so many ways, First John, it says, anyone who loves the world or the things in the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 
For everything that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires are passing away, but the one who does the will of God will remain and endure forever. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, what we see that entices us away from Christ, what we feel that makes us live a life that's all about us and our wants and our desires and our comfort. And the allure of doing things to get people's notice. To follow Christ, we have to deny those desires. And all around us, we see the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And it can be painful. And here in Montana, we're challenged all the time. And even when it comes to gathering together as the people of God, because He has called us to not give up meeting together as is the habit of some, but to do it all the more as we see the day approaching. And it seems like there's always something to keep us away from the gathering of the people of God. There's always something. And the Lord is calling us to deny those things in order to obey Him. Deny ourselves, take up our cross, and to follow Him. It's a costly obedience. It's it's painful. Oswald Chambers said, Consecration is the narrow, lonely way to overflowing love. We are not called upon to live long on this planet, but we are called upon to be holy at any and every cost. If obedience costs you your life, then pay it. If obedience costs you your life, then pay it. See, faith in God's word leads us to obey his word. By faith, obey his word. And it's costly. It's painful. But he's worthy. He is worthy. And Abraham knew that. So immediately he obeyed and he went and he got the man to get the knife and circumcise him. And his son. But not only that, faith in God's word leads to complete obedience. By faith, obey completely. And we see this in verse 27. He highlights, and all the men of his house. Those born in the house and those bought with money from a foreigner were circumcised with him. Can you imagine? I mean, he, he, he had some clout, Abraham, and he had a lot of people in his house. For us as individualistic mindset people, and we see the world through that lens, it would be very hard for us to think about well, my master is getting circumcised, so that means I have to be circumcised. But there was something about Abraham 
where he had a loyalty from the people in his house and from the men. And based upon what God had said, he led them to completely obey. There's a danger for us in our lives when we think about obedience to Christ to obey just half-heartedly. Impartial obedience is still disobedience. And there are many places within Scripture where this is highlighted to us, but I think one that is very clear is in the book of 2 Samuel No, 1 Samuel, I'm sorry. 1 Samuel chapter 15. And in this account, the Lord had called on Saul to lead the armies of Israel to go and to completely destroy the Amalekites. And I want us to pick up in verse uh, chapter 17. Not chapter, verse 17. And Samuel said... Though you are little in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. And the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go, devote to destruction the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. And then listen, he asked this question. Why then did you not obey? The voice of the Lord. Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and I have devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But the people took the spoil, sheep and oxen, the best of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, To obey is better than sacrifice. And to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination. And presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord. He also has rejected you from being king. Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord in your words because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may bow before the Lord. And Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you for you have rejected the word of the Lord and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. 
As Samuel turned to go away, Saul seized the skirt of his robe and it tore. And Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you this day and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. And also the glory of Israel will not lie or have regret, for he is not a man that he should regret. Then he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now before the elders of my people and before Israel. And return with me that I may bow before the Lord your God. So Samuel turned back after Saul. And Saul bowed before the Lord. Saul was making the argument that he had obeyed the Lord. And in a lot of ways he did. He did destroy the Amalekites. But it wasn't a complete obedience. And the Lord leading Samuel to confront Saul highlights that an impartial obedience is a complete disobedience. An impartial obedience is a complete disobedience. And Saul blamed it on the people. He said, I obeyed their voice because I feared them. See, the fear of man drives us to disobey God. Could you imagine if Abraham went to the men who is a part of his household and he said, all right, chaps, we're going to get circumcised today. And those chaps said to him, no, in fact, I'm going to kill you if you try to make me do this. There was an opportunity for Abraham to live out of the fear of man. But he didn't. He heard the word of the Lord and he feared God more than man. And he was not content with a a partial obedience. He wasn't content just for him and Ishmael to be circumcised. The Lord said, him, Ishmael, and all the men in his household. And so he trusted the word of the Lord. And he obeyed completely. Aren't you so glad that our Savior didn't give a partial obedience to the Father? Aren't you so glad that when he went to the cross, he didn't just drink partially the cup of God's wrath on our behalf? Aren't you so glad that Jesus didn't just partially fulfill the law in his life here on the earth? And just made a few compromises? His obedience was perfect and it was complete and it was full. And the judgment that he received was complete and it was full. It was not impartial. He drunk the full wrath of God to its very dredges on the cross in full obedience to the Father. He's worthy. And he was buried and he rose to life again. He ascended on high. And he is our king. And he demands and he is worthy of all our allegiance and all of our obedience. Not one iota of compromise. 
And the truth is we fail. We fail. And in his grace, he says, come and trust my perfect obedience on your behalf. Trust my righteousness. See, complete obedience is perfect righteousness. And none of us meet that standard. But our Lord Jesus does. What a blessing God made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 Daily remind yourself of that truth. Daily confess your sin. Run to the cross. Remind yourself of the perfect obedience of our Savior, the Lord Jesus. Confess, repent, be forgiven, made whole. And may his grace motivate our hearts to pursue complete obedience of our Savior. Faith in God's word leads us to obedience to his word, by faith obey him. And as our Savior, the Lord Jesus, commissioned the disciples, he said, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe, to obey all that I have commanded, and I will be with you until the very ends of the earth. May we learn to obey all that Christ has commanded. Immediately, no matter what the cost, and completely. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you how you speak to us through your word. May we, like Abraham, trust and obey. In Jesus' name, amen.